There's a, a prejudice that at one time was ag against homosexuals. At one time? Yeah, hold on. Mm -hmm. When it was a criminal offence, even. Mm -hmm. Then that's got removed. The law. And people started to appear mm -hmm. to accept. Mm -hmm. Back, it comes again now because of AIDS. It never went anywhere. It never went anywhere. People's attitudes don't change because the law changes. I, I know that. And the homosexual question is like, it's like, it's like what we call the racial question. Nobody, no man and no woman, is precisely what they think they are. Love mm. is where you find it. And you don't know where, you don't know where it will carry you. And it is a terrifying thing, love. It is the only human possibility, but it's terrifying. And a man can fall in love with a man, a woman can fall in love with a woman. There's nothing, nothing anybody can do about it. It's not in the province of the law. Mm. There's nothing you do with the church. Mm. And if you lie about that, if you lie about that, you lie about everything. Mm. And no one has a right to try to tell another human being whom he or she can or should love. But when you wrote Giovanni's Room a long time ago, that was quite a, a brave book to bring out, wasn't it? It was about love, but it was about homosexual love, but it was about love. But, about you, you, but you deliberately put on in homosexual love, presumably. Well, the, the boy's in the middle. It's not mm. so much about, homo it's not about no. homosexuality at all. It's about what happens to you if you can't love anybody. It doesn't make any difference whether you can't love a woman, you can't love a man, mm. you can't love anybody. You're, 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 you're dangerous. Because you have no way of, you have no way of learning humility. No, no way of learning that other people suffer. No way of learning how to use your suffering and theirs mm. to get from one place to another. In short, you fail the human responsibility, which is to love each other. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Spinecrackers, the podcast, the podcast. We, we are. Uh, oh, well, Paul, do you want to go? You got oh, something yeah, to say, buddy? Talk just you got something to say? It was Matt, wasn't it? Uh, go ahead, Matt. Matt, take I, it away. This is all you, man. Well, the, I mean, take the reins. The point was for me to say this was Matt. Way to go. Uh, this is I'm Great job. <laughs> every fucking time. All right. <laughs> and then uh, that's Paul. And uh, we're joined today by a very special guest. We are uh, uh, thrilled to be joined by Julie, who runs the uh, stupendous Instagram account. If you're familiar with us, you're probably familiar with her already. But uh, Julie Michelle reads on Instagram. Right. That's what that's the name. That's it. Hi. Uh, how are you? <laughs> Good. How are you guys? Good. Thanks for being here. Yeah, I'm excited. This is my first time, so uh, first podcast appearance. Bear with me. Yeah, 
Well, <laughs> as you can tell, we are very professional and very high tech. And so, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, lots to be intimidated about. I'm, I'm I sure forgot we... to wear my suit and tie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can't believe it. We noticed. We noticed. Yeah, for all, for all future yeah. guests, just we do have a dress code. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Don't come sliding in here like this is your living room. Okay. No. <laughs> This is this is a digital, a high-end digital club. This is basically the board ape yacht club NFT club. Oh god. <laughs> and we're talking about they... literature and it's fancy and it's that's right. And it's forbidding and uh, it's and you know, it has to be fancy. Put some respect on literature. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> Good lord. Um, so anyway, uh, Julie, do you want to, want to, what's your, I kind of want to just ask you, cause you've got a relatively big page on Instagram. What, how'd you get into like the bookstagram world? Have you, how do you like, do you like it? Yeah, it's fun. Um, I started my page last, I think last summer. Um, and I kind of just started it cause I was like, I felt like on my, like my personal account, <laughs> I was kind of annoying my friends in real life. <laughs> they're, they're just like, dude, I shut up, nerd. They're like, books. stop with the books. Stop yeah, it's like, and nobody, you know, nobody was liking it. Nobody wanted to have conversations. So I was like, Damn. I felt really weird. <laughs> and so I was like, you know what? I just wanted to like, I wanted, I like taking pictures and I like kind of like writing out like my thoughts about things after I'm done reading them. So I just wanted to, and Instagram was perfect. So I was like, I'll just post a picture or write something about it. I didn't like really think like I'd make friends really, to be honest. But I just kind of wanted like a space to kind of almost organize my reading. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was awesome. Like I got like invited in buddy reads and stuff pretty instantly and just actually got to make some pretty genuine friendships and yeah, it's, it's actually really awesome. That's great. And so, it's all accumulated. Yeah. And now here you are at the pinnacle of literary <laughs> YouTube. And you made yeah, it to the world. top. <laughs> I'm at the top of my game now. <laughs> yep, it's all downhill for after this. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you'll get the you get the spine crackers bump and then yep. <laughs> the patented. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 what we like to call kingmakers. <laughs> yeah. So let's just say you you've really been knighted. People. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seth, well, that Seth, sounds, that Seth sounds cool. Waste mailing list was nothing before he came on this show. So yeah, we yeah. made it. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. We love you, Seth. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. awesome. There's a lot. He's a uh, he's oh. like god status in in the world. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. Love, we love Seth. It is kind of funny because I'm like I didn't know this was like I guess there's like a world for everything, but like. And of course there would be for books, but I just didn't know, like, like, I don't know. It's just weird. It's like a weird space, but I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, the internet is uh vast and uh, <laughs> yeah. <Weird>. yeah. <laughs> so there's something for everybody out there. Right. Yeah. But yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, again, we really appreciate you, you coming on and hopefully it'll be a good, I'm sure it'll be a good discussion. Uh, Look at my weird dog. <laughs> what's, so sorry, listen, oh, what's up, buddy? Who, who is, is that? Visual. Is that Trixie? This is Trixie. Yeah. No. Yeah. She looks kind of like she's desperate to say something. If only I know. She she's right in front speech. of the microphone. Just say it. Say what she looks want. like a dinosaur. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be sick if this was like the, <laughs> the first live recording of a dog, of a dog talking? <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. Yes. I, <laughs> I was kind of hoping that was going to happen. 
Luther yeah. almost makes human sounds. He does. Sometimes. Yeah, my dog. Uh, they're mostly of pain and anguish and anguish, deep, deep yeah. sadness. He's just like, oh. <laughs> I imagine that. I imagine that the sounds he makes are are similar to the sounds that uh, Giovanni makes when he thinks David's going to leave him. Wow. Yeah, segue. And that's man. That's how you do it. That's, Clean. Take notes. Take notes, everybody. That's how a pro does it. <laughs> so whose um, pick was this? Well, this was this is kind of a tricky one because it was sort of a hybrid. We, pick. we like, didn't say what it was either. Oh yeah, what? So we're talking today about the James Baldwin's 1956 novel, uh, his second novel uh, yeah. after some short stories and essay collections, and his first novel. Um, what is it? Go tell it on the mountain. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think that's his first novel, and uh, uh, yeah. So we're talking about Giovanni's room today. And it's it my was, first read of his. Yeah, so yeah, who's is. who's read Baldwin before or and what? I've read Go Tell It on the Mountain and then If Beale Street could, could talk, but it's actually crazy that like <laughs> this is his second book. Like it quite like what a daring book to write. Absolutely. For, like, like being a new guy on the scene, kind of, you know, like that's yeah that's and awesome. <laughs> I love that. I wonder, I mean, was this book banned? It was not published by a lot of people. I think that's true, right? I think it had trouble getting published originally, but I don't think it was, I don't think that it was ever like banned. Okay. Yeah. That I know of. I'm just um, wondering because of the new, all the new banned book lists, you know, yes. this year makes me think like, how is this book not banned in 1956 immediately? Well, I mean, it, it covers like, you know, it's about like a homosexual relationship and Baldwin or at least bisexual, gay. right? Some, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's complicated. And I'm sure like it's had to been like banned to some capacity, like in the way that Harry Potter books are banned in like Christian communities. Like yes. it was yeah. probably banned more in like that kind of way, not maybe, I don't know, like the way Russia banned the Bible <laughs> way back when, <laughs> Russia, or like yeah. it's not in that way where you're gonna. Yeah, you're going to go to jail or whatever. Right. Yeah. More well, I, like, yeah. I was just yeah. thinking, uh, like in the US, like homosexuality was outright illegal until like the 62 or something like that. Yeah. And he makes mention <laughs> of that in the book, right? That at the time it was not illegal in France the, the same way that it was in the United States. Although we didn't get rid of uh, sodomy laws, which are incredibly wide ranging until like 2003. There might even I would be I would not be surprised if there were some still on the books. Yeah, supposedly I think like there the, might be West Virginia. Yeah. I'm guessing. Mountain Mama. Sodomy just Mama. means sodomy at its loosest just means non-procreative sex. Right. So just like everything under the sun. That's like kissing too. <laughs> That's kissing. <laughs> no kissing. You're not allowed to make out. You're not allowed to go to make out point. You go to jail. Where's Arrested. the <laughs> not allowed to go make out for it? Yeah, there are like countries like I went to Indonesia like 10 years ago and you go to the park. And I think in India there's quite I'm sure there's other places in the world, but you go to the park and there's literally like a sign that will that says basically no kissing. So you're Whoa. not like, you know, you're not allowed to like Whoa. display that in public, which is really interesting. So it's it's still out there. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, yeah. You have it's to know crazy. teenagers in those in that country. They must go at night and just kiss and feel oh. awesome. Oh yeah, 
Oh, for okay. sure. Yeah. There's lots of uh, lots of heavy petting. Yeah. Well, imagine if you could be shot. I hate that it. phrase. <laughs> heavy <laughs> petting yeah. is one of the worst it's one of phrases. Such ever. an uncomfortable I don't phrase. Like that. But is it because it's effective and descriptive? True. Um, well, I've, I've, Paul, you said this was your first Baldwin, right? Yeah. So I've read this. I think this is his only novel that I've read, but I, I did read, um, Notes of a Native Son, uh, The Fire Next Time, and, uh, Going to Meet the Man, which are like essay and short story collections. So I've read a, a decent chunk of Baldwin's like essays and short stories, but none of the novels. What about you, Matt? Yeah. Again, uh, I had a copy of Go Tell on the Mountain that I've just never read my whole life. And uh, I've been aware of Baldwin. I've like, I've, I think I've watched every media appearance he's ever given um, because he's an amazing like orator, oh, yeah. an amazing sort of speaker. Um, but yeah, as far as like what he's written, cause he's prolific dude. And you know, yeah, nothing, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Nothing until now. First book, first novel of his is this one. If you speaking of Baldwin's or oratorial skills, oration skills, which I clearly share, um, <laughs> uh, if you really want some some juice, uh, there's a he did a, de a public debate with William mm -hmm. F. Buckley, uh, the, the famous conservative, uh, you know, founder of uh, well, I forget what magazine. Do you remember, anyone remember? Oh God damn like it! No, new, but new statesman or something like that. That these, sounds about right. One of these conservative yeah. magazines. I forget which one. And that is a uh, that discussion is absolute fire. Hmm. Yeah, the question was uh, the, the the question of debate was um has the, has the American dream succeeded like at the expense of uh, black people in America? Right. And uh, yeah, it's a bunch of like stodgy British people in like Oxford or something, like mostly white as well. And it's just it's like, oh yeah, it's it's the the you know wherewithal to stand up in front of all those people and like speak about this kind of stuff. Like Baldwin did is crazy. And then like you know at this point, I don't know if anyone's no one here's a Buckley fan, right? I'm assuming. <laughs> no, Anyone but whatever else you want to say about Buckley, he was also a very effective speaker. He was. He had the boarding so school was a good speaking battle. voice, though. It was a good battle. Big, one of the biggest anime battles of all time. <laughs> greatest anime battles in history. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. I looked. It's actually. Um. National Review was the magazine that Buckley founded. Okay. Yeah. Good clarification. Um. So anyway, yeah. So. Yeah. This so since there's of, no clear picker, yeah, he's going to explain it, Gabe. Do you want to take it away? Yeah, I can do a quick little plot summary um so basically as we, we already said this is a, a book about a uh, at least bisexual uh sort of man american man named david uh who's living in paris and he has a fiance ish uh or or uh, girlfriend named hella who is at the start of the novel uh in spain sort of contemplating whether or not they want to get married, right? Whether or not she wants to get married to to David. And um, David has, uh, you know, he's had gay experiences when he was a child, one significant one, um, when, not, not a child, but, you know, younger. Um, I forget how old he's supposed to be in the novel. Does anyone know off the top of their head? I think he's like 26. I don't know yeah. why. Is, he, is that right? I think yeah, something like them. mid, late 20s, yeah. Okay. Um, and, uh, he's, um, kind of just 
doing his thing in Paris. He has a dad back in the States. He's from uh, New York City, Brooklyn, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's sort of, you know, just the classic poor American bopping around Paris doing, doing you know, young people stuff. And uh, he meets, you know, he has some um, older, you know, gay friends or one specifically, this guy named Jacques. And they they sort of are going, you know, just drinking and doing stuff, you know, just I don't know. Like, what's the what's the what's the lifestyle called? It's not like a flaneur. Right. But like something along those lines. That's like those are like the fashion people. Right. Flaneurs. Yeah. I don't know what the actual official definition. I thought it was just somebody who's like, I guess. Yeah. You're, you kind of have to be hip like a bohemian flaneur. Mm. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for, bohemian. Thank you. Okay. Like a kind of like the boho bohemian poor, you know, getting money from your parents in Europe lifestyle. And um, and David David also like why he's there is I believe he was in World War II. Right? Wasn't he a soldier? Yeah. Julie, do you remember? I don't remember. I, don't remember that. I was actually literally just thinking about that before I hopped on. I was like, how did he get over here? Like what? So yeah, because it seems they, like he. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, it's fine. I was just. I. I don't know if it was like exactly not clear, or if we were supposed to like. I don't know. Assume something, but I think he was like just from what I understood at least that like he was just kind of just traveling around and he wanted to like get like life experience in that way, but. I have vague memories of. Even though I just read this book, and just finished <laughs> yeah, it. you were supposed to know. <laughs> I dude. started it a while ago, but I I do have like vague memories, maybe of him being like stationed different places, like and being shipped out, maybe. But it, I I I remember the beginning being like him having the pretty intense experiences with his his aunt and his dad, and those were those were some great moments. And then I. Yeah. Then he just like pops up in Paris. Well, because then because then he has a big there's a big um, scene where he convinces his dad to not make him go to college. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like he's kind of taking like a gap 10 years. You know? It's a little it's a little late in the game for him to have gone to World War Two as well. That's kind of it doesn't line up. I don't think yeah. the ages would match up because he's yeah. Yeah, he would have been like 14. 15, yeah. So okay, a true so he, patriot, a true patriot at that age to, yeah. <laughs> to lie about your age. And... Sign me up. I mean, that was happening, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he's in Paris and he he meets this bartender, uh, Giovanni, who is similarly a a uh, like an expat um, from Italy who's working at this kind of, um, you know, gay bar basically, right? Which is kind of uh, like shady. And, uh, and I know we, we already mentioned that homosexuality itself wasn't illegal in france but it also but it seemed like because later in the book a bunch of the gay bars get shut down so i'm wondering if the like bars were somehow illegal but you know what i mean it uh, yeah there's also like potentially like uh male prostitutes in there i don't know if that had something to do with it yeah it's heavily implied that there's a lot of male prostitution going on and david himself is implied by jacques to have engaged in it uh as a as a prostitute a few times at least right right mm-hmm. and that's and Jacques is one Jacques yeah. is overtly so one. yeah well is Jacques Jacques kind of like more like a pimp isn't he he like likes to get he likes to buy the young guys is yeah, he? he's like a benefactor of some kind or something yeah yeah because he's like yeah. rich yeah. 
Oh yeah, man. I'm really getting all confused. The young guys and giving them things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's how he, uh, that's how David initially meets Giovanni is Jacques is interested in Giovanni. Cause he's like this young hot guy bartender. And he's like, I want to talk to him. Why don't you talk to him though? And like, tell him about me. <laughs> yeah. Talk me up. Yeah. He's yeah. Go to, go, go. My friend thinks you're cute. Do you yeah, think cute? Yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> but the plan goes south and david and giovanni hit it off yeah and, and the book is basically the story of their relationship and its rise and catastrophic fall and you know um spoilers mm -hmm. we do, we do, we do obviously full spoilers for everything on this show so uh and also in the, it is a spoiler in the book cuz the book's at the beginning of the book uh, david is in a house that we don't really know much about yet and he's talking about how giovanni is going to die like the next day Yep. So it's not a major spoiler. He's going to be he's going to be executed. Um yeah. We don't know what for yet, but that's revealed very early on in the book. Mm -hmm. So yep. yeah. That's sort of the plot summary. Impending doom. Romantic France. Which as Giovanni says, Americans have no sense of apparently. We have no sense of doom. Yeah, <laughs> that was an interesting line. It is. It's changing. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like we all we all have a lot of doom now. We're maturing. I I feel yeah. I feel a sense of impending doom uh, very often. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Doomers, doomers are a whole yeah, category exactly. of person now. So yeah, like it had to have switched because I feel like Americans are very full of doom nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah something I mean, happened. Yeah, I think the. <laughs> I think Giovanni would not say that about the uh, the current generation and younger of Americans. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, but it's interesting, you know, because the book is so about is so much about identity in so many different val valences, right? Which we'll talk about, I'm sure, over the course of this discussion. But one of them is is national identity, right? And the differences between Americans and and the French. And Giovanni himself is, of course, Italian. And so it's a, it's it's a it's a book in a lot of ways about exile. It seems to me like one from one's country, and also sort of from one's oneself and one's own identity, right? Yeah, one's own family too. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely a big like. I think the big message is just this guy who does not have an identity in any kind of way. Like, yeah, with the, you know, he doesn't identify or really seem to like, you know, talk up about Americans. Like he doesn't, he's very distant from that. He's distant from his father. There's this connection with his sexuality. There's just like, he has no clue who he is at all. Um, which I don't know. That was like the overriding, at least message, like just the big thing that I got from it. But yeah, and like by the end, he he that's the the one identity he seems to cling to is like the American identity of just like he want he wants to latch on to just being the idealized man in his father's eyes or just like be an American with a family and a wife and kids. Yeah, um, there's a but then when like when when presented with that op when that with that option by Hella, he rejects it, right? Yeah, he's yeah. he's in a bad relationship where he's confronted with, you know, something far scarier to himself, which is like potentially like wanting to be in like a same sex relationship with a man uh, and then shifts over to the other like ready made identity that's like already baked into his country's like whole like social structure that would be like nice and easy. But there's something 
obviously horrifying about just kind of resigning oneself to a slow death of denial of this other very yeah. important part of you by doing that. And so initially it's just a relief from the fact that he was in a kind of like intense relationship with Giovanni. And it was just kind of like Giovanni was a lot and they were, you know, it was just like, I think we can like, all agree. Giovanni's a little extra. Giovanni's a handful. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we can agree. Yeah. Every time he was in the, in the, well, which is pretty much most of the book, I was like, Oh my gosh, this guy is like crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah i just i mean uh yeah he was he was a lot to handle <laughs> yeah like yeah. the final big fight they have where giovanni just goes on a rant about like everything that's wrong with david and like yeah you can't you'll you don't even know who you love women or men you don't even know, love yourself like and it just kept going and david was just like uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> well because yeah. giovanni gets some good uh gets some good jabs in there in that final fight he does yeah. i'm not saying he was wrong but it was yeah. just like it was too much for david no doubt i mean david i think is is one of the things that i looked up uh while i was reading this book and afterwards is because my, my first thought is like david is closeted not just about his sexuality but like everything about himself right he's just mm -hmm. completely you know locked everything away his experiences his desires his goals uh to the point where he's just like this you know empty vessel for you know god knows what but I, I was looking it up and the term closeted as a description of like homosexuality and, and coming that didn't really come into currency until the mid 60s um and so it was interesting to me that baldwin was writing about and so like the the title of the book giovanni's room is basically like the closet right he's he's in the closet he talks a lot like i'm in giovanni's room and and he's feels so much tension about being there and, and and it's and and giovanni's room just descriptively is like super cluttered and messy and right um yeah and there's always these superficial kind of like uh renovation projects that he undertakes and then and then abandons halfway through so there's just like random like like holes in the wall and like wallpaper ripped off somewhere or like something like that yeah so yeah yeah, I thought those were so sad. Like the 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 one where Giovanni is like trying to like install a bookshelf in the wall because he thinks it'll like please David, who's like this intellectual kind of reader guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that when they were talking about like the the windows like having white polish or whatever on them instead of like just getting curtains, it just made me like. And all the descriptions, I was like, this sounds like a freaking like meth house. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. I was yeah. like, this is like, like, I don't know. That's why I'm like, okay, what is going on with this guy? Like, why is, you know, like he can't see. Uh, I also liked, where was that part about how uh, David, like once Giovanni like went away, like he wanted to like kind of clean things up or whatever. And he said, oh, yes. no man can be a housewife though. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that again, like, I think that gets back to like what Paul was saying about David wanting to like desperately wanting to cling to this ideal of masculinity. Right. And that, that also sort of plays a role in their fight at the end when he's like, mm -hmm. tell, he says to Giovanni, he's like, you just want me to be like your domestic housewife. He's like, you're trying to turn me into a girl. He says at one point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Which I think was really telling um, about sort of David's, you know, mental state and the way he he was trying to sort of distance himself from this this thing. Yeah, I, w I was kind of wondering why, like, what propelled David into this 
this form of himself because you know it's set up early on in the book when like i thought one of the most profound moments of the whole book was actually in the beginning when he hears the fight between his his dad and his aunt and they're talking about him and he's like in his i don't know he's like 12 or something yeah but it was so it actually reminded me a lot of the mountain lion it felt like a mountain lion type coming of age scene where like some little moment that doesn't seem very substantial to you as a kid but as a kid it it really is profound on your psychological state as you move forward in your life and there i forget exactly what they say but it's like the aunt is saying that the dad is not raising him right and he's not doing the right things and the dad is like just come home drunk but like david talks about him being like not too drunk like he didn't ever really feel disturbed by his drinking and didn't know about like apparently the women he was sleeping with but the aunt like makes it a profound thing to david um and there's like this harsh disconnect from then on he says something like you know from that moment on we were we could never like be open with each other and I just really like that moment because it's it's it sings true to me, it speaks true to me, where like you can't even point to exactly why a moment like that affects you in, in such a profound way. Yeah. I think the implication partially was like the father, like him needing to learn factual information about the character of these adults in his life through covertly through like the door, like hearing them have a whisper argument in the living room. And then realizing that, like, specifically his dad has been just kind of like lying and like keeping things not not even over, just omitting <laughs> facts about himself. And like that alone was enough to, like, I guess, sow the seeds of this this distrust. I don't know. Did you guys think that the dad was possibly having bisexual or gay affairs, too? Because I, I was sort of getting that hinted. toward Like even throughout the book, when they were writing letters to each other. And there were little moments like we just can't talk about anything. And the dad would say, like, you know, I was a young man once, too. And it just it felt like a profound thing, like he wanted to talk to him about something profound, almost like he knew what was going on with David the whole time. But they both also knew that they could never talk about it and won't ever talk about it ever. But, yeah, mm -hmm. did you guys get that? I didn't think I thought the dad was just I thought the dad was just an alcoholic. Uh and and that was basically the only other thing. And, and the disconnect came from, you know, the fact of someone proclaiming constantly generationally like, oh, we want the truth, but not really, you know, like, you know, that they would react poorly to something. Ultimately, it would probably have been like for the best, maybe or cleansing or something like that. But like, uh, you know, when someone's like, no, tell me what's really going on with you. And just that decision where it's hard. It's like, yeah, lying is is always bad but at the same time it's like easier it's much easier uh yeah and there's just going to be a genuine disapproval of myself if i were to be completely forward with you about what was going on you know i don't know i mean that feels like part of what the whole book is about is just like this uh this interplay between like um what's like a kind of little white lie or something that keeps the peace and kind of keeps society going and everyone comfortable. And, and, and when does that subtly transform into something that just toxifies everything and creates a shitstorm for literally everybody, you know, everyone loses the dad, Hella, David, they all lose. 
like needlessly yeah. too you know yeah yeah it's a good um it's a good question though about the the dad <laughs> like i can actually see that i didn't i kind of thought maybe maybe he knew his son or maybe was worried about his son even because he kept you know talking about how he's too old to basically be living the lifestyle he's living he needs to come home and settle down and stuff so I, I, like in the back of my mind, I kind of wondered if he knew something with, about his son was going on in that way, but I never thought about the dad actually having gone through that maybe when he was also David's age or even currently, and they just, you know, kind of brush things under the rug because you have to be a man, quote unquote, right? You have to, yeah, there's a certain way you have to be in society in order to just live and be accepted and everything. Yeah. Um, but that's actually a really interesting point. And probably we can only speculate, but I kind of like that perspective though, now that you mention it. I was kind of yeah. thinking it because this, this, the whole story reminded me a lot of the movie, call me by your name, which is also a short story, but yeah, at the so very, I was seeing, I was a lot of parallels between that movie and this book. But at the end of that movie, you know, like the dad just like knew the whole time. It was like, I actually like, I'm like, I'm like that too, you know, <laughs> and I, maybe I was, awesome. yeah, that's the ideal great. father right there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think one of the, for me, like I, I hadn't really considered it either about the dad, um, but it, it seems to be like one of the themes of the book, it seems is that everyone knows more about David than he knows about himself in some way or another. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, totally. um, like Jacques it seems to think, you know, he's got a better handle on David and, and the way his life is likely to go than David does. And Hella, of course, by the end, when she sort of finally, um, after they've sort of reestablished their domestic relationship and have agreed to get married and, and, you know, David starts drifting away from her and ultimately goes on this kind of like bender of alcohol and, and, you know, sex with men in uh, Nice, I think he goes to, and she finds him there. Right. And so she finally sort of confirms like, this is what has been going on. And I really, I sort of knew all along, right? That's what she says to him. And and so I wonder if the father isn't just another example of of someone knowing well, David that's why, better than he knows himself. That's, you know? I was going to bring that up is like, you know, it, it seems like that is totally possible if, if Hella knew Hella well that he was, he was like this. <laughs> <laughs> she was it's feeling like, hella bad by the end. Yeah. <laughs> Wicked and when they were in, yeah, when she found him in Nice, she was like, real nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, real nice, David. Now my life is ruined. Yeah, way to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, but I mean, Hella would know in the sense that there's an there's an inkling, though, and this is what I think the father is is. I don't. I, my opinion is that the father is not like also closeted in any way yeah but might have an inkling and is hoping to get the opposite confirmed through his kind of like quiet little like 
Hey, listen. If hey, if it's a girl, if it's girl trouble, listen. I've been there. Okay. Right, Why don't right. you just tell? Just please tell me it is. Right. Uh, and the and the fact that he's not being given that is like what's causing the concern and the withholding of money specifically. Um, and yeah. then Hella, you know, if she actually did know though, she wouldn't be with him, and he wouldn't be with her. So like, there's just the the problem. That, like, which is what that, happens. Like, that toxic environment that's created when there's just this uh, middle ground that is impossible to sustain. Yeah. It's just that everyone's just kind of performing and like hoping everyone lies to each other at all times to just maintain a completely false consciousness about everything. And it's also just like, it's like you said, Matt, it's like, is there anything more? And I, I can, I, I, I understand this feeling. Is there anything more like toxic and tense and just shit feeling than someone constantly badgering you to like tell you tell tell me the truth tell me what's really going and then but you know for a fact if you actually did they would be just fucking super salty and it would work you know exactly it's it's a a horrible bind you can find yourself in well also when you get to the point when you're when you're demanding that of somebody you're already past the point where it was ever going to come out naturally you know like when you're shouting at someone to please tell me the truth it's like the wall is already closed up you're you were you're not going right. to get to that point for sure yeah and i think i feel like that was a lot of the intention of how baldwin wrote it was that because you felt that as the reader like you felt very i don't know you, just tense at least for me i felt tense like from beginning to end yeah. like felt like I don't know. Like, I just felt that way. And you could, that's probably what David, you know, feels like the whole time too. Like he has that, you know, there's that claustrophobia with the room and like, is there's, there's nothing is ever spoken. Everything's only alluded to. I don't know. Like that. And it just, it's heavy in a way. Like imagine having to live a life like that where you can't be you fully. Like, yeah, it, there's not really any like he can't win <laughs> like he can't win in this day of age at all like no matter what he does yeah Some he could go the, yeah. yeah you know it, it, it yeah it's sad <laughs> yeah some of those descriptions of the room had me like actually sweating. I was like this is so like claustrophobic and tense and I hate it yeah, yeah. It's also slightly relatable, just the, uh, the occasional, just like whirlwind things where it's Matt just Gamer like... Cave outed. <laughs> Not Gamer Cave. Uh... I know. I was like ready for like roaches to be crawling out of the walls or oh, something. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah I was imagine- Yeah, I was definitely picturing like a Fight Club type studio apartment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> where like, just... and somehow the curtains just they get holes in them, you know, and they're like rotting. <laughs> They didn't have curtains. They were painting the damn windows. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was such a good little detail. Like, Julie brought it up earlier. That was such a good little, like, like little detail that made it just that much worse. Well, they're also imagine the weird light coming through like a just lightly white painted window. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's creepy. It's so creepy. It is creepy because they're poor, too. I mean, there is the other class analysis uh, thing going on as well. Where like most of these people are are broke as shit and like I think uh, except for Jacques and and uh, the bar owner right Guillaume Guillaume how do you say that I don't know Guillaume it's Guillaume. that's how we're doing it too yeah Guillaume 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 <laughs> it's not Galume are you serious Galume <laughs> hello yeah. Mister hello Mister Gloomy 
<laughs> yeah, paging Mr. Gloomy. Cheer up. No. <laughs> yeah, those guys are rich. Guillaume, Guillaume is is actually part of some sort of like historically, I guess, uh, significant French family. Is the like to as one of the great houses, like Targaryen and Stark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. France is like all of Europe is basically Harry Potter world as far as I'm yeah. concerned and just Game of Thrones world. Um But yeah, so like <laughs> You're telling yeah. me British people just aren't Harfoots? <laughs> <laughs> but on the se- the only serious point I was trying to make was that like poverty is another aspect and it's another one of these uh by like it's another form of claustrophobia mm-hmm. yes like they're there they're g- g- gathering your little co- like again like you know you gather your little pool of money you're like what can we do with this how can we stretch this out and like do you do little like missions to your outside of the room that you're trapped in because you can't do anything because you have no money side quests it's, yeah do side quests to go like maximize your your value for your money yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean it's another example of the of the of the claustrophobic like impending doom that is set up like the the financial doom too is like a, a limiting factor of of david's experience there and also what is that remember when he when he first first meets giovanni and there's this like i think it's somebody in drag who he finds like totally disgusting yes right and it's like basically like a prophecy like in game of thrones as well um <laughs> right where um, this book is a lot like storm of swords or whatever i don't know yeah. what the names of them are you know you know what it really reminded me of was uh, uh dark souls no, I'm <laughs> kidding. but yeah that was i mean that was a very direct like impending doom situation there that doesn't really have the he, baldwin never really comes back to that moment it's just like here's some more doom giovanni the person talks about giovanni like they're terrible and it's um like bashes david too it was a really weird little little segment but yeah. i mean i think the the tragic part about the entire uh situation that david's in too to me is that like he kind of subconsciously goes to france as an american to maybe subconsciously again have like a liberating experience for himself sex tourism basically yeah just like he's trying to find himself while knowing that the whole time it's not going to happen for him like he he has too many walls up but he goes there anyway you know and i find that also sad sad book <laughs> I think- I, i'm I'm glad you brought up that scene from from the first time like that first night at the bar paul because that had sort of slipped my mind but i think now that you bring it up it's a sort of a like you say it's an important kind of scene for the rest of the book because a it sort of is shows off david's kind of um his double feelings about his identity because he's like yeah I, I like giovanni and he's super attractive and like i have this aspect of myself but then he when he sees it in other people he's disgusted by it you know when people <laughs> and he's disgusted i think specifically by like the openness right yeah um, and so this person who you know i don't think it's ever specified <laughs> but i think the way it's written it, your interpretation of it being someone in like drag is 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 probably right um who comes up and and gives him this yeah it's like this old crone like prophecy like he ends the conversation by saying like you will be very unhappy remember that i told you so and you know like then that's kind of the end of it yeah he described the, that person as like it almost, it almost seemed like a like a 
like a mummy horror movie to me when he was writing it. It's like this, you know, this person like stumbling through the alleyway with like wrappings around them. Yeah, yeah that's weird. Like there is like a lot too in the book. Just I think maybe it was kind of towards the end or right around when the room was getting introduced about just like how the city stinks and there's garbage everywhere and just like the idea that this room, this little tiny room that's like just dirty and there's wine stains everywhere and there's holes and there's, you know, all this and that is just, actually, wait, hold on. Could I read a part of the book about, there's just like one sentence. No, please. Yeah, go it up, yeah. I feel like it encapsulates like exactly, I don't know, just the feeling of, of, David in this room but it's um this version but it's on page 87 it says but it was not the room's disorder which was frightening it was the fact that when one began searching for the key to this disorder one realized that it was not to be found in any of the usual places for this was not a matter of habit or circumstance or temperament it was a matter matter of punishment and grief I like that like last part about punishment and grief because it's almost as if like they are they're internalizing like how they feel about themselves the shame and the guilt and everything during this time so they're like almost that internalization also becomes externalized by them punishing themselves in a weird way like this room be so gross and like you know yeah talking they're just i don't know it just i feel like that really just hits it it's like (laughs) this like performative like self-flagellation you know what i mean where it's like (laughs) fine if everyone's gonna just just uh if society's gonna view me as this like hideous degenerate or whatever like you know what fuck it like i'm i'm going full goblin mode Uh, (laughs) (laughs) exactly i mean but that that's like a genre even like there's like reddit threads about posting the most like horrific rooms and stuff like that like all the like you know twit gamer setups yeah akiko mori slash incel gamer just like who's got the most horrific room and yeah yes it's 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 the same vibe of like no that's actually a really dirty goblin i'll show it to you yeah like well, I sleep on course, a mattress like the, on the floor and, and I'm just course, like, surrounded ins- by food. The incels have that same like um mentality, right? Where they're like, we are the 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 dregs of society and we're looked down on by everybody. And it's of course for them, it's like a it's a different thing because it's not it's not justified in the same way that it was for like you know gay people in the 50s. Yeah, there's no but legislation. There's no, stopping yeah, them. exactly. Yeah. It's, it's obviously not based in reality in the same way. But it's that same thing where it's like, fine, we're just gonna we're gonna embrace the 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 disgustingness of who we are in your eyes, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Did the room start out dirty? Wasn't it like I think uh, Giovanni did. makes a joke about it pretty early on about how gross his room is. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I was, th- I mean, I was just wondering, I couldn't remember, but I, I feel like at, at first they both and everyone uh, and jocks too, they talk about Paris at least being like a nice place for them. <laughs> like they like it. But towards the end, when everything seems to be falling apart, they start like talking about how dirty the city is and how they want to go anywhere and david talks about going with hella like let's just leave let's just go anywhere out of here um 
But I was I was trying to wonder. I couldn't remember if the room like started out clean and just like slowly got dirty, and they needed to Jordan Peterize it. But I think <laughs> Jordan I think... Peterize. <laughs> Speaking of incel gamers, I think, <laughs> I, I think it was like romantic and like who gives a shit at the beginning. Yeah, and then and then it's like anything. It's like once that starts to leave and the difficult realities of you know the situation start to become solid and and actually real to you then suddenly you're like oh right wine stains cigarette burns cockroaches yeah. you know I, yeah i think baldwin captures that so effectively just like that the beginning of a relationship and the passion and the like yeah fuck it like just put garbage on the floor i love it like, <laughs> yeah, yeah classic you know? like everyone does right <laughs> yeah, yeah i put my my used gum under my pillow when i first like go to a girl's apartment i just dump her trash onto the ground and i'm like and roll it. around in it. we roll around in it yeah yeah but yeah i think it's i think that's well put matt yeah <laughs> thank you <laughs> do you guys think it's interesting that um the one thing that seemed to be strike me and you know again uh, Julie and Gabe, you have read more than me, uh, but like th the other stuff that he's written has more overtly tackled race. And this is surprisingly or not to me, this is a book where he's writing from the perspective of like a white guy. And that's like the one thing yeah. that is missing. This is like purely about like, you know, sexuality and uh, but it's like a white protagonist. I'm just going to uh, jump in and, and pause for a second here because believe it or not, we're already rapidly approaching an hour uh, of the Whoa. conversation. I know it feels like we've just begun to scratch the surface. It's such uh, a breezy which I, conversation. Which I think so is fun. true. Um, so we, we could, there's two options. We could talk about that now or cause that's a good spicy topic, or we could save it for the patrons uh and go and in, launch into the uh, sort of end end game here the uh, let's just throw that out as an observation yeah. that is going to be um delved into in the patreon we can just do the other stuff all right perfect um so yeah if you if you want to hear the rest of the discussion uh with julie here uh, about giovanni's room including that topic i want i also want to talk about giovanni's backstory that we hear at the end because that's tragic as hell um yeah, yeah. and sort of the the very talking about how he died or yeah, we haven't talked about his crime, his crime or how he winds up in in on the execution <laughs> or anything like that. So we have a lot more to discuss. Yeah. Um, uh, if you want to hear that, you can uh, go on over to uh, patreon.com slash spinecrackers and uh, sign up to hear the full discussions uh, for as little as two dollars a month, which, um, you know, come on, skip skip that one aperitif this month and uh <laughs> yeah you don't need it and no more digestifs and aperitifs <laughs> yeah, yeah, unless, yeah. unless you're in like a financial situation like david or giovanni save your money probably can't afford two bones use that on a coffee at a cafe yeah if you're if you're uh if you're living in in a room like giovanni's just send me an email and i can send you the episode <laughs> uh, the full version <laughs> but um yeah we'll send uh, you a, we'll send you a copy of 12 girls for life yeah. <laughs> <laughs> put you on the straight and narrow yeah. yeah um all right well so that means we're moving into the uh the, the end here of the the main episode and that can only mean one thing you're bisexual Harry. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. was good. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we 
<laughs> How do I recover from that? Yeah. That was good. Um, so, uh, yeah. So if you are new to the show, at the end of every uh, episode, we do a little segment called uh, We Literally Just Read Another Book, which means we are allowed to talk about Harry Potter now, uh, which all high-minded literary people just secretly want to do at all times. Shout out to... Julie, I appreciate you weaving in Harry Potter a couple times throughout the discussion. Uh, Indeed. <laughs> You got to seed the seed those payoffs for later. That's just classic. Com that's great comedy uh, instincts that you have. <laughs> so uh, this is the this is where we put all the characters <laughs> from the book into their uh, respective Harry Potter houses. And uh, yeah, what's what you guys? You guys did you guys hear about? You guys heard about her uh, seventeen hundred page oh, book yeah. about somebody who got canceled on Twitter? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I someone leaked some of the. Uh, there's tons of sections that are just tweets. She doesn't even make a fictional website. She's just it's just twitter.com in the book. And there's just like mad pages of just like uh people commenting in comment threads like in the comment thread format throughout the book. Wow. And I'm <laughs> Yeah, did you, some, you didn't hear about this, Julie? No, I'm 1700 pages. It's yeah, it's like what so it's like 500 pages longer than Infinite Jest. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> it's just, it's just like, about her getting canceled on Jest. Twitter. Yeah, yeah, oh she's God. definitely in her own version of Giovanni's room right now, writing her brain, book, like, her brain. Typewriter. JK Rowling's brain, yeah, is Giovanni's room, is Giovanni's room, it's dirty with opaque windows, yeah, like. I, I'm gonna someone just was like masterpiece incoming <laughs> about it. And I was like, I could see that potentially. Anyway. I, I want to read it. It's gonna be interesting. Yeah, so yeah, just for the record, for our uh our, our boy, you know who you are. We don't endorse JK Rowling on this podcast, but that doesn't mean the Harry Potter houses aren't a useful character analysis tool, okay? It's a heuristic. It's a heuristic. Let us use it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so who gets who gets housed? Okay, um, I think we could probably do David, Giovanni, Hella, and Jacques is what I was thinking. Sure. All right. Yeah. Who goes first? Good. Uh, right. Jacques. We'll start at the bottom here. Jacques uh. is uh, Jacques is Slytherin, and 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 not just because I I think he's pretty much out for himself, uh, and even his sort of um, very precise and accurate. Uh, character assessments of other people is not a product so much of his curiosity or observational faculties in a, in a in a in a way that one wants to learn or have empathy. It's just to find another angle with which to use people or gain leverage. Yeah, because obviously he takes advantage of Giovanni and David's breakup to just kind of seemingly, I guess, like hook up with Giovanni and he capitalize on there. he capitalized on Giovanni's despair, which is like a pretty <laughs> despicable move. Um, and then just make fun of David on top of it. Uh, <laughs> so I'm yeah. going to go ahead and call him a Slytherin. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of the Slytherin in the actual Harry Potter movies um, that that one professor in the Dark Prince Rises or whatever. The Dark um, Knight Rises? The Joker? <laughs> the Joker? Because <laughs> the Joker is Slytherin. <laughs> I'm so confused. What am I thinking of? Sith the Slytherin Joker, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna say Voldemort is a Sith. <laughs> He's like For a Sith sure. Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Who am I thinking of? I forget, but like there's that professor in the in the prince, the half-blood prince that like um uses people as just like kind of like a like a tool for social implementation for himself to pick himself up a little bit. Um 
And I feel like he does that with David too. Like he, David's kind of like a young hot guy that is like cool and bi and straight and American. And he's like, cool you know, and using bi him. and straight. <laughs> 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 so yeah, I, I would I would say that he's. I'm gonna put him in Slytherin as well. What do you think, Julie? Okay, nice. I I should have done a little more research on these houses. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Yeah, I mean, I guess, um, I don't know, though. Like, I didn't, like, see him as being that evil as you guys did. (laughs) Like, he for sure had an angle on on people's lives and kind of played around with it. But he also was like, man, this guy's really... I don't know. I'm conflicted with Jacques. Okay, the other one is so Hufflepuff was like where Hermione and Harry and all them are in, right? That's, no, no, that's Gryffindor. Gryffindor. That's Gryffindor. Oh, Gryffindor. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Jesus. Whoa. Sorry wow. You know what? Uh, we, we might just have to end this now. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, Hufflepuff is like loyal. You're like a good friend. You're maybe a little bit like not as brave and secure you're like securing yourself but you're like it's loyalty not bravery but loyalty is number one i would say yeah hardworking, bravery through loyalty as well like you you need to be a a person for others as the you know i think the jesuits (laughs) yeah (laughs) so wait so uh, they are or they aren't brave they can Mm. be they can be they can be (laughs) (laughs) okay gryffindor gryffindor is the one where like the 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 trait is bravery and like you're you're like you know yeah jock was not very brave no no he's giving with his money true so like he's he's in a way in in a way he's nice but (laughs) but he's kind of using that his money to like get people closer to him to like better himself, you know, it's like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Going to wizardingworld.com. I might be able to give you a rundown here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I think I, 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 order me a wand while you're at it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. You got it. I want the, uh, I want the $500 pre-order for uh, Hogwarts legacy with the book and the wand. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, God damn it. But I, I'm so, I, I'm sort of like with Julie here in the sense that like I Jock definitely is out for himself, I think, at the end of the day. But I also found him to be just such a deeply sad figure. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I, I felt sympathy very pathetic. for him. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, he's just kind of like pathetic. So you want to hear just Julie, this is for you. All right, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> this is a nice each one is just given five keywords. Gryffindor. Courage, daring, nerve, chivalry, Hufflepuff, hard work, patience, loyalty, honesty, Slytherin, ambition, cunning, cleverness, resourcefulness, and Ravenclaw, intelligence, knowledge, wit, and observation. And I can refer back to those at any point if, right. you've, if you want more of that. That's helpful, Matt. Thank any you. characters could be Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's true. Can we just put everyone in there? There's, you're there's, no, there's no category for like sniveling, pathetic, sad person, sadly. <laughs> what about what if there should be a new one called Craven Claw? <laughs> Snivelin. <laughs> Snifflepuff. Snifflepuff. No, yeah, yeah, I think at the end of the day, Jacques is a Slytherin, but it's it's a it's got a sad uh uh taint to it. You can be a pathetic Slytherin. 
Yeah, you can be with this. It's true. Well, this is this like, is what's fun like, about uh, the houses. It's like yeah. Inside Out. It's like the movie Inside Out by Pixar, right? You learn that like <laughs> the actual truth is that the emotions combine in cool flavors. And it's and complicated, and everyone's everything. Yeah, but all right. So let's do uh, let's do. Well, Hella. That's the real thing. Is that, like everyone is kind of a little bit of every house. That's true. Hella is Gryffindor. Come back to me. <laughs> Hella is Gryffindor. Why? Uh, because. She is pretty brave. I think she's sort of written to be sort of a liberated woman, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like in the 50s, like short hair, I think, is like the code there, basically. Um, <laughs> like on, on her own, you know, gallivanting in Europe and uh, being firm in her decisions once, you know. I mean, she does go like eventually as soon as she's like chooses David, she's like, and I'll put on a red, I'll put on like a flower print dress and like make you a sandwich and shut the fuck up for the rest of my life. Yeah. She's yeah. A little she goes bit full, like, uh, that, whatever that animal collective song is that everyone loved about domesticity that actually sucks. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know. For a very like my, it's called like, it's called, it's, a very direct it's called, jab. It's called yeah. like my girls or something, you know? Oh, my girls. Oh, the Mary he's talking about pavilions. Yeah. Song. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. You got mad. That's Whatever. Animal Collective for a second. <laughs> Topical. Um yeah. timely to be mad about that. Um Anyway, I'm going to I'm going to say still though she's she's pretty Gryffindor. She's pretty decisive and um willing to follow through with her new conceptions of what she wants. Yeah. I'm going to say Gryffindor too. I did it was kind of, I didn't like when she got so mad at David that to the point where she's like, I'm going to think about this the rest of my life. You've ruined my entire life for doing this. You got to remember that. And you've you've ruined all other men for me. Yeah. That was a little bit. (laughs) She's 20. She's also 25. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're just, you're hot headed. You know, you're like, yeah, I will never recover. You know, it's just one of those moments when in a relationship, like a breakup or whatever, you're like, I'll never be happy again. that's true all right yeah any objections this is a competition so yeah i'm i'm looking it up right now i have my cheat sheet right here so (laughs) (laughs) on the gryffindor one it does say she's wary of manipulators and liars so oh okay that fits i like that yeah yeah prone to procrastination Mm-hmm. she does put mm-hmm. off the decision about getting married yeah it took her so long to get to get to france so yeah, yeah she was just vibing in spain for mad long yeah, yeah. yeah. all right that, i'm sold i'm sold on casually tardy casually yeah. tardy yeah i'm sold on gryffindor for hella my the one thing that gave me pause was that like that 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 moment where she just instantly caves and is like, I'll give up everything I believe in and just become a, a normal housewife and pump out babies. That was my, the one thing that gave me pause. Right. But, but even yeah. that was like, was like almost aggressively demanded. <laughs> True. You know what I mean? She's like, you'll like it. If that's what you want. But that's what I want. Yeah. It's just like, anyway. Yeah. Who's, All right. who's left? Giovanni and David. That's it. Let's do Giovanni. All right. We'll I see. Giovanni's Gryffindor. He just okay. speaks, really? speaks his brave truth at all times, even when it's kind of inappropriate. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. I could see that. Is I mean, he... he did murder somebody. Yeah, that's true. He does murder someone. Uh, hmm. And that's nerve as part of Gryffindor. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't think he's a Slytherin. He's he's too he's like, you know, he's very uh I don't know. He's, I was gonna say he's too of, open. Yeah, he's too open. I was gonna say puff, kind of like for that like honesty, like you said honesty, Paul, telling the truth, telling his truth. That's um, true. And you know, he's deeply uh loyal to David for for until David kind of forces the the issue. I'm gonna go puff. I'm going puff. I'm going Gryffindor with Ravenclaw rising. Ravenclaw, where'd that yeah. come from? Wit and Ravenclaw. observation. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Julie, you think Ravenclaw too? Yeah, I'm like reading through this. I'm like, this dude, Giovanni's always trying to like, I don't know, especially with like, he's always trying to like come in with like a a kind of jab or a kind of like he's always trying to like uh, bon mo. Yeah, intellectually try to get above every everyone. So I'm gonna put him in a uh, Ravenclaw. <laughs> okay. Nice. Okay. Well. Okay. That's the vibe. So, I'm gonna still go Gryffindor, and we, this is like a jury room, so we all have to decide on one before we move on. So <laughs> not true. <laughs> We're deadlocked for hours. We're yeah. deadlocked for 24 hours. Twelve angry men. Room. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I'll I'll say Hufflepuff <laughs> Ravenclaw Rising. I was persuaded with the Ravenclaw. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna stick with Gryffindor. With no explanation. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, uh, that that just leaves uh, David himself. Now David is <laughs> tough because David, I feel, is straight up being drawn and quartered by the four house structure itself. Oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I feel like he is existing in like a super position kind of <laughs> yes. where he's trying to be all of them at once and it's impossible well and i think uh, then it results in him being nothing right like yeah, as, exactly as, as, as he says he's, he's a, squib. a squib oh he's a, a squib. he's a squib he's that a squib my, my initial thought was david was a squib so. i would agree with that I would so say julie if you don't secret. know what a squib is a squib is uh someone who's just they have no they, they have no abilities and therefore can't be housed but well, they that, were born perfectly with what we were saying he's got no identity so yeah, yeah. i yeah. agree with all that <laughs> damn okay david the squib i that can't i wasn't i wasn't expecting that but it makes sense i love <laughs> this this is the most elect squid worm this, this is the most effective this segment has been in a minute yeah that's <laughs> yeah. right um all right well that's everybody <laughs> yeah <laughs> um <laughs> All right, so that that means we have uh, one more segment before we uh, rank this book up, give it a score here, um, and that's the Scrabble word segment, which is where we pick a word from the book that we uh, liked or didn't know, or would make a good Scrabble word, um, and uh, that's pretty much it. I have one. Okay, mine is oh. um, okay. So this was weird because in throughout the book, whenever French is spoken, which is sort of frequently which by the way like minor note to um i think julie you and i have the same intention minor minor note to vintage uh i'm fine printing the french in the original as baldwin wrote it but just give me a translation at the bottom i don't i don't want to have to look up every damn phrase you know what i mean i'm not saying don't put it into english leave it in french just put the translations at the bottom as footnotes because i had to look up so many phrases in french uh right. throughout this text and it was a minor it was it's a minor thing but it did annoy me slightly, so just do that. It's it's easy. No one's gonna be mad. At least the think, long ones. At least the sentences. You know. Yeah, yeah. I know, like what "merci" means, or like whatever. But I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a complete uncultured hog, despite appearances. <laughs> uh, 
vaping Julie was saying before we re- <laughs> recorded that she liked the didn't you like the the lack of knowing what the phrases meant though julie being in iowa i kind of just like it's almost like vaping i want to go iowa. like imagine being there and being an american who has not learned french like that's kind of i like that you know yeah. like you're you're hearing yeah. people say things you kind of understand a word here and there but not really everything <laughs> yeah 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 that's like a realist realism i'm not and, in and, control and it feels good <laughs> and to baldwin's to baldwin's credit he does often kind of like repeat the point of the french phrase afterwards or yeah. give you give you enough context clues to understand but for those who because for those who don't know he was himself an expat i don't i'm sure most almost everyone knows that but yeah, yeah he he lived in france for a long time yes um so anyway, my so the reason I brought that up was that usually when it's a French word or French phrase, it's italicized. Um, but the one that I found, it, which is camions or camion, C-A-M-I-O-N-S, which I, which I looked up and thought it seemed to be a French word, but it wasn't italicized. So I don't know. It just means trucks, apparently. <laughs> cool. Okay. I think we're all going to do French probably. Yeah. Uh, mine's not. Mine's a word that I have heard a thousand times, but I didn't actually know the definition of <laughs> What oh, let's it? hear it. Uh, interloper. You guys are rolling oh. your eyes. I know that word. Oh my, god, like Paul. Paul. <laughs> oh, my God. I know it. What is it, Matt? What is it? <laughs> Ooh, if, you yeah, yeah. if you don't tell me the definition verbatim from Google. Come on, Matt. Verbatim. Uh, probably like a, a third party who intervenes in some action or like desired goal. It's like a person who becomes involved in a place or situation where they are not wanted or considered to not belong. I did a good job. (laughs) I won that round. (laughs) Points for Matt. Matt won. Points for Matt. And points to Matt. Happy tonight. (laughs) Three points to Slytherin. Three points to Slytherin. Yeah, that's what Matt. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a secret Slytherin. (laughs) All right, Julie, you got one? (laughs) <laughs> yep this is a word i'm going to use every day just kidding um it's called tor- uh i can't speak french it's torero <laughs> how do you use it how's it spelled t-o-r-e-r-o i just like how it's spelled it's to-re-ro <laughs> do you know what it means t-o-e-r-e-r bullfighter that's a good so when one. they're talking about Hella having possibly a relationship or something with mm-hmm. a bullfighter, the Torero. That's a good one. <laughs> Isn't that a, a matador flag. too? Isn't that a matador? Yeah, yeah that's a, like the. So a matador is the person whose aim is to kill the bull, while a torator is simply a bullfighter. Oh, huh. interesting. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That seems like a subtle distinction. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, very much so. I love I, I want subtlety here. I want to be a torero. Or <laughs> yeah, me too. Costumes are great. Oh yeah, yeah. They, then, they get like, super theatrical with the bullfighting. Yeah, it's like a whole dance. It's crazy. Yeah. So matadors is kind of more like murderdors, am I right? <laughs> Mordor. Yeah. Well, I'm, Mordor. Assuming, I'm assuming. I'm assuming Mordor. Mordor. <laughs> they, they spear the thing to death well, over the course of the whole bullfight. Just like they do in Mordor. Because I'm, yeah. assuming, I'm assuming that the, that there's some linguistic connection there. Because in Spanish, like 
like Pluto. death like matar i think is like to die or like death or something like that so like Mat- mata as kill like matador like i think it checks out like the the dan the cheater of death yeah like yeah because he doesn't get gored to death uh, right by the bull <laughs> okay uh that means there's only one thing left to do and that's to give this book a score. i didn't i didn't uh get my word oh you didn't i thought you oh. did <laughs> No, that's okay. I All might right, not exist. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, Five points to Slytherin. <laughs> uh, it was just garçon. What does that mean? Boy. It just means waiter in French. I don't even know if it would count, but I, I like it. I, I know what it is, but I just like it because me and uh, my brother, like when we're in like a diner or whatever, we just like to call them garçon when they come <laughs> and serve us. <laughs> Well, Gosson, so what that? one hot dog, what? please, Gosson. <laughs> oh my God! If I ever worked in a restaurant that you went to, I would poison You'd, your food. I know yeah, you would. Bad. Why does it sound like kind of like a dick move for some reason? Why? Uh, because it is. Because, because it, it is. is. It's because Matt's yeah. slithering. I'm a Especially slithering. when Matt snaps his fingers, Gosson. But it's such a pretty word. Crazy. Gosson. Well, so Gosson. what is um? So is a refill of coffee, Gosson? <laughs> I can't. <laughs> But so isn't there a fashion, like a fancy fashion company? Isn't like Como de Garçon a fashion company? So what does that oh, mean? Oh, who's fancy now? I have no idea what that is. Uh, okay. I yeah, only that's know a it. really fancy one. I only know it. Like it I only know it because logo. of the, it's like a, I think it's like a future song. Like it's a rap song. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, There's a line. I forget what song it is, but he mentions Como de Garçon and Alexander Wang in the same, in the, in the verse. Yeah. They're the, they're the company. <laughs> Converse shoes, right? That yeah, have them, with like, the hearts and with the heart yeah. and the eyes, yeah. which is like, oh, I hate that shit, dude. Yeah, it's such a fancy <laughs> company, and it's like a like a thirteen year old made that shoe. <laughs> like that, I've seen design. that everywhere. Yeah. So, so anyway, I, I want to know what that means. Then. Oh Maybe. my gosh, it means like boys. Like what? boys. Yeah. As in, like- as in, like, as in, like resembling, or like, as in, like, I like. That's what yeah. I don't know. Because now we're talking Giovanni's room. Now we're talking Giovanni's <laughs> yeah. room, exactly. Like, what are we talking well, about? Well, so so Garcon is a word for waiter. It's like it's like calling the waiter and saying, boy, like, get over here, boy. Oh, That's- God. Yeah, yeah. Matt, you were doing even worse things than you thought then. Good. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, now that Matt's uh, outed himself as a waiter snapper, let's... Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, Let's score this. Let's score this one up. Um, so, Julie, I don't know if you know our our, our scoring system. It's uh, one through five. You can you can do any. Uh, well, really zero through five. Uh, I've given uh, sub one scores in the past. So at zero through five, you can do uh, you know any any permutation or any uh, decimal point that you like. Basically, zero zero to one is like your life was was made worse by reading this book and if you could take your time back you could you would one to two is like a bad did not an enjoyable experience some redeeming qualities two to three average range fine book whatever three to four good four to five very very good excellent and then like a solid five is a, a life-changing book there's a there's a before and after moment in your life where you read before you read this book and then after that's basically the uh, the scoring system yeah okay. Therefore, two point five, middle of the road. Yeah, exactly. Middle of the road. Yeah. That's middle bad, of the road. Not yeah. good. Uh, all right. So, who wants to go first? I think, uh, as as is tradition, Julie can go last as a, as our guest. Um, Dibs not first. I'll go first. I'll go all first. Right. 
uh, I think I'm going to give, I don't know. I think I'll give it like a 4.1. You know, I thought yeah. it was really good. It was like, um, my favorite aspects were the beginning. I think when you like his childhood going through like these weird trauma moments, but I just thought, uh, Baldwin's writing was, was great. Uh, the dialogue was like amazing. I thought, um, just like overall, very, very solid. It, it bring emotions out of me, uh, made me feel sad and good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that. I love it, that. It didn't that. increase my vocabulary or my ability to describe things, but, um, good book. So mm. yeah, 4.2. Or it, okay. it probably did, but I can't I'll never be able to get better. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you plateaued. The synapses are dying now. You're on the other side of that fulcrum point. Um, yeah, I'm going to give this book a 3.8. Uh, I thought it was uh, very well written. It had uh, some points given to it just for, though, like, kind of the kind of the like the bravery it would probably have taken to write something like this. I, I, I try and, like, put that stuff into consider, like, the context. Like, Baldwin... Baldwin was really like, you know, right out of the gate, just having uncomfortable discussions, interrogating himself and society. Yes. And like, he's just, you know, he, he, he's rightfully considered one of these like sort of Titan orators and like representatives of this kind of underclass struggle and just to be gay and black and <laughs> like have to sort of discuss those two. And, you know, you can feel those experiences resonating even through like a white character, you know, in this book where Baldwin is 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 clearly like working through and infusing into the novel itself like real pain. And despite never wanting anyone to have to go through that for for any piece of art, really, if they can avoid it, like made this book, like Paul said, feel very emotionally resonant and feel really uh it's like it could have been soap opera y. But it, it kind of like Anna Karenina is a, could have could just be regarded as like the beautiful and the damned or something <laughs> like just like oh I threw myself in front of a train but there's an elevation there into an art that uh, this book also achieves and it's much shorter um, <laughs> yeah so just very solid just had a good time reading it quick read really uh, really powerful and uh, yeah three point eight nice. Um... Yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> for me, I think I agree with everything that's been said so far. I think that, you know, we haven't really talked a lot yet about um, the where this falls for Baldwin and his oeuvre and like the racial aspect of it and like all that. Yeah, I have no gonna, placing of it. Yeah. We're going to get into, I think, in the in the Patreon segment. But I think that like what Matt said in terms of the bravery, it's it, it, it's it's just a fascinating um, text where it falls for Baldwin, who, you know, was, at, like you said, this kind of social, uh, he was a, he was a, what, what's the term I'm looking for? Like, he, he always brought the the fire and he just went there. You know what I mean? Like every time, like no. Um, and, you know, I will say one thing about this book, just stylistically, and we didn't talk about the prose a lot. Um, and maybe we can talk about that more later. But what, this book is a lot more 
um, restrained in some ways than some of Baldwin's other writing, at least from my experience in his essays and short stories, which are much, much, um, you feel the, you feel the anger more than anything else. And here, I think you feel the melancholy and like sadness more yeah. than anything else, which is both refreshing, uh, but also sort of like, not not a bad thing, but just sort of unexpected, at least for me, coming from reading some of his short stories and his essays and things. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's, I, I, I was going to go like a 4.24. Uh, um, I really enjoyed it. And I think, I think um, it's important to both historically and in terms of Baldwin's career. Uh, yeah, great book. Read it. You price is right at my score. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Five points. Of unintentionally, center. unintentionally. You got a hundredth <laughs> place to beat you. Yeah. <laughs> what do, what's your take, Julie? Um. Yeah. Actually, I also give it four point two five. Oh. Oh wow. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I think I enjoyed. I feel like sometimes, I. I especially with books that have a lot of symbolism, like in Toni Morrison, I feel like sometimes I don't really catch what's going on as I go. I have to like look up a lot of things with her. But with this specific book, I feel like the symbolism and metaphors were like pretty clear. Like, I don't think I had to look up like really anything. It was kind of like, so I kind of liked that. Like I didn't have to like, I don't know. I didn't feel lost, <laughs> I guess, if that makes any sense. But um, and it, yeah, again, like you guys are saying, the historical um, relevance that this book brings for what it was during this time, like that, that, and I mean, that part could give it a five star alone right there. But just my overall, I guess, feelings, and I don't really know what it was quite missing for me to give it like, you know, closer to the five star. I haven't really quite figured that out. But um yeah, 4.25 sounds about right, I think, for this one. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. always like a tough question to answer. Like when, when you get uh, into the fours, for me, it's always like, why isn't this a five? And I was trying to ask myself that. And I think it's because I, the beginning for me was so strong. I, I just, I kind of like the psychological pre being 20 years old type moments. And I wanted, I feel like Baldwin. Oh, you do it. You, 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 you got to talk about something now? <laughs> I'm just what no, i'm just messing yeah maybe <laughs> save it i'm saving it yeah. no um i just think i i wanted more of that i think baldwin like it tried to explore it but it, it didn't hit as hard as it did in the beginning so that like prevented a higher score for me hmm. yeah i hear that i i almost i think like if i'm thinking about why what what's keeping it from yeah even higher like higher height like i almost like matt referenced this like i almost wished it was a little bit longer like 50 more pages to explore like a little bit more of either the backstory because we basically get like Giovanni's backstory in one big dump from him um, or even to explore a little bit of the like the failing attempt at domesticity between Hella and David. I, I think I might have liked to see even a little bit more exploration of. Um, so I think some of the stuff at the end kind of happens in really quick succession uh and and i i almost i almost wanted a little bit more you know what i mean yeah 
Uh, all right. Well, uh, as we said, there's uh, plenty more to talk about. And, um, you know, Julie, again, thanks so much for for coming on. Uh, let the people uh, know where to find you. Oh, uh, I'm on. The only thing I really have is Instagram. So you can just find me there. Julie Michelle Reads. YouTube channel right. when? That's yeah. the next step. Always. Uh, it's embarrassing, but I did start one. But I just, I don't know. I'm not... I'm not good on on screen. I don't know what it is. So. We all feel that way. Oh, as well. I feel yeah, that way too. That's, yeah, yeah. You're not alone. It's like, that. like this where we talk back and forth, but when it's just me, like talking to a camera, I just—it's the worst know. thing in the world. I hate it so much. Yeah. I, I mean, you didn't say that. I'm projecting, but that's how I feel. <laughs> no, I've tried no. making a bunch of different videos for our Patreon, and I start and stop and like want to cry, and I'm like, "You're a fucking idiot!" Like, you just talk <laughs> in front of a yeah. camera, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, same. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I already feel bad about lots of things about myself. I don't need one more thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair. You're not alone. And yeah, it's, yeah, just talking to a screen is very weird. Well, Gabe, you're good at it, though. You can yeah, do it's because uh, yeah, it's because I'm the archetypical American Chad male. Clearly, <laughs> I have, I have uh, just unwarranted self confidence. <laughs> it might have something to do with you teaching classes over Zoom, but that's fine. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, as we said, uh, we'll see y'all after the jump in the Patreon discussion. And thanks for listening. And uh, Julie, again, thank you so much. This was a uh, thank, yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, you guys. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, everybody. Bye. Bye.